Welcome to Movie Moments, discussing the greatest movies of all time, plus all the newest films in theaters and streaming. Like us, rate us, share us. Here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Okay, we're back with another edition of Movie Moments. I'm Mike Rags, my good buddy Chuck Curry. You're getting us wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, whether it be, uh, well, Podcast Plus or Spotify or, or any of the great uh, platforms that you download. Just make sure you subscribe, and every week it pops up on your phone so you're taking a listen. And, of course, we're always on our good uh, fan, our fan base at WoWo in Fort Wayne. Uh, I'm Mike Rags. It's uh, another step closer to Halloween. It's actually Friday the 13th as we record this. So Chuck and I are going to do a fun little game later on in the show. A little uh, Jason versus Michael Myers bracket. And uh, we'll explain a little bit more as we go through both franchises. But let's bring him in right now. Uh, Chuck, nothing scary about Taylor Swift. But it might be scary how much money she's going to make this weekend as we get ready for her Eras tour. Hitting the theaters finally. And boy, if pre-sales is any indication of what post-sales are going to uh, post-release um, is going to be, it's going to be quite a monster. Uh, it will be. You know, it's interesting. You talk about uh, the perennial perfect storm of everything good happening. Last week we talked about the disastrous uh, potential opening of Exorcist Believer, which uh, certainly materialized, doing just uh, twenty-seven million dollars in business uh, off the studio rights of three movies for four hundred million dollars the rotten tomatoes score was putrid of 22 percent a lot of rumblings of david gordon green who directed this installment in the past uh three halloween movies not coming back uh to do the sequel where the studio universal and bloomhouse will try to salvage uh what they can over the with the next two installments and get it get it get the ship righted creatively and uh, I, I don't listen i have mixed feelings of david gordon green i think what he did with the halloween franchise he did some good some not good with it i was perplexed why they gave him the exorcist franchise but if i'm writing the check i certainly can't have david gordon green back creatively for the next two installments i would go in another direction honestly mike i would think about hiring a really top-notch a-list director and a super good screenwriter and getting a couple a-list actors into this franchise i think that's the only way you're going to salvage it. Now, in terms of uh, Taylor Swift, uh, in terms of all the positive, positive energy going in her favor, I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey played a really good game last night. A fan base <laughs> is watching. A, a fan base is watching. The, the, you know, you couldn't have a, her movie, uh, her, her concert film, opening on a better date, which was Thursday night when the Chiefs are playing at home. All of the publicity. You you couldn't you couldn't buy this type of publicity. And the best thing about it for her is that on Rotten Tomatoes, the concert film 100% positive with raves, which means, Mike, that her fan base will go see this multiple, not one time, multiple times. So this will have legs, like you say. Like no you stated no doubt week. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to make a lot of money. Any theory to the fact that she's thought to herself, what market have I not tapped into yet? Um, maybe the NFL. Why don't I just start dating an NFL player? That Travis Kelsey, he hit me up a few weeks ago. Why don't I just do that right before my movie opens? I mean, strategically, it'd be a smart move. I think they're actually in love. I think that maybe that, that it's a thing, but it wouldn't be too far-fetched to think that, hey, I haven't tapped into any kind of sports market yet. Let me get some guys come to my movies. Listen, it wouldn't be the first. Unless this has been done before. I mean, there have been arranged celebrity 
intertwinings to promote where both entities uh, became a win-win. Certainly, uh, in his case, it's a huge win because you know his um, him and his brother have a, a documentary on on Amazon Prime. It has now become the highest watched doc on Amazon Prime, and the reason for that is because the the Swifties, as they call them, are curious about what makes this guy tick, right? So they're watching this doc and trying to learn as much as as possible. Now the question is, obviously, she doesn't need it, but I guess in terms of 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 you know monetary value and popularity, I guess the mountain is never high enough to climb for any of these type of people. So listen, I don't know what's in his in her head. I have no idea. But uh, what you state, I think there's a at least a fifty fifty potential possibility that that's really what this is all about. But who I don't know. Who knows? I, I did see uh, in movie news too. Gerard Butler settled a lawsuit against the producers of Olympus Has Fallen. Um, regarding his $10 million, it was a $10 million lawsuit. I guess they settled out of mm-hmm. court. I guess there was payments he never got for the original really? blockbuster in 2013. What I want to know is when do I get my 10 bucks back for sitting through it? Uh, I, I know, listen, I know you're on or, record or the two sequels yeah. after it. So maybe I should get $30 yeah. back. Uh, listen, I think the first one was really good. And the third one was really good. The second one, not so much, but overall, I think I'm, I'm, I can tolerate my tolerance for a Gerard Butler movie is a lot more. I would say than uh, than yours. I think that's been uh, a stated fact. Yes, uh, over and over and over again. There's been plenty of movies uh, in the past couple of years that we've never even gotten to when I was on my hiatus. But but uh, we'll move on. What other Can movie I, news I you got for us? Uh, here, here's the deal. Okay, now the in ter- we we know last week when we when we did the show that the writer strike was settled. Bravo, good news. Now a lot of people speculated that the act- actor strike would be settled earlier. This week, now in day five of negotiations between the studios and the actors union, things went awry and basically the negotiations completely fell out of bed. And much to my surprise, and I find this perplexing, that there's two big issues here that they can't get over. The studios do not want to relinquish the fact that they want control of artificial intelligence and the rights to the likeness of these actors and main actors and also extras. And the other sticking point is that the actors are asking for uh, some of the money from streaming off the top. Two per- they want 2%, Mike, off, it appears, off the gross. And the studios are saying, no, no way. So the studios want, uh, they want uh, complete control of the artificial intelligent technology in the industry, and they don't want to relinquish 2% of the streaming rights. Your opinion on these two things. What is now? Listen, the AI thing spooky. It's spooky. What it is? What what is this all about? What is it all about? Well, it's all about is the fact that sooner or later they're going to be able to reproduce the actors that you love on screen and 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 put them in and in films without them ever having to do work and just use their likeness. Here's the problem. This isn't for the the Julia Roberts. Listen, I'm not going to be around. You're not going to be around in 50 years, Right, right? Right. So let's just say hypothetically they made a Tom Hanks movie in 50 years. Who's going to care? Get another actor. Get one that like that has a heartbeat. No, like it doesn't make sense. This does not. There's something more. There's something more ominous about all this. It sounds like I'm portraying a, a you know uh, a sci-fi movie from the '80s, a la Terminator, right? Something. There's something more going on here than we, as a general public, 
understand or can comprehend. Am I am I wrong with that? Yeah, you're right. But this isn't for the Julia Roberts and the big of the world. I mean, the, it's not about make saving making money for them. It's about these actors. I mean, if you could get extras in a film without having to pay any you know, minor characters, Chuck, that, that, that would be very beneficial. Well, no, for a studio. Exactly. You know, I'll give you an example. I'll give, I'll give you, a, I have a friend named Danny, right? Danny's in SAG and Danny's does a lot of extra work. He, so he shows up, he's been in like the, 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 the Adam Sandler movie, uh, hustle, right? I think it was, he was, he was in the basketball, in the crowd in the bed. He's done a lot of stuff uh, as an extra. He dressed as a, a, a policeman in, in a Martin Scorsese movie. So what they want to do is they want to take, let's just say he's an extra in a basketball movie, right? They want to use, they want him to sign off on, on the fact that he did that in his likeness and then recreate via computer that crowd in any movie that has a scene in a sporting event. So then they don't have to do the daily work and pay, not that they pay the, 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 the extras a lot. I think it's like 400 bucks a day. But if you have, you know, a, a thousand, a thousand extras in a, in a, in a stand at a football stadium, uh, and there's a lot of legwork that goes in a lot of the texts and, and they want to just eliminate that. So they, they, they would eradicate uh, movie extras by doing this. That's what they want to do. Yes. Well, it, it's uh, they've got to get back to work. Let's get this settled in the studios. They yeah. have to, they have to table. They little have to because Mike in next summer, you know, the theaters are going to be in the COVID uh, nightmare again yeah. without COVID. They're not going to yep. have a product to show. What are no, they going to show? You're absolutely right. I I, 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 I I can't disagree with you. I'm, I'm going to bounce off into this, okay? Uh, you remember Captain Marvel a few years ago, Brie Lawson, right? Film did uh, over a billion dollars worldwide. It had a $157 million opening weekend. Now, the Marvels, which opens on November 10th, uh, which is basically a sequel to uh, Captain Marvel, uh, tracking, according to a tracking uh, company, tracking between 50 and $75 million. So, in two years, you have lost right there. If that's accurate, I believe it is. You have lost a ton of interest in the MCU because now that Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and Chris Evans are out of the picture, they're relying on these secondary characters outside of Iron Man and Captain America. And I like her. I like her. I find her appealing. And I enjoy Captain Marvel. But you, you could see the the air is really coming out of the balloon. The tread on the tires are getting worn out. Yes, they yeah, are. Yeah, and, and that's 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 you're talking, you're talking like a sixty percent haircut. And usually, a sequel will do better. Uh, that, that's always been the, the you know it's hard to do better than a hundred fifty seven million dollar opening, but sixty percent haircut on a sequel, tracking, that's a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. That's uh, and I I just started rewatching the Marvel Universe movies too, and. I'm up to Captain America heading into the first uh, Avengers movies. And it, just remembering the magic of seeing all these for the first time and where we are now, it's really, and it hasn't been that long in, in, in the grand scheme of things, Chuck. Uh, this oh. 2011, I think, uh, was Captain America, the first one. It's not that long ago. So um, it's just so, it just shows you what burnout can do, right? You just make too many of these movies and it just eventually, it gets worn out and where we are today. But where where does and we've talked about this ad nauseum, which we know. But at what point does the studio system basically cry uncle and say, "Yeah, we really do have to go. In, we really have to do go have to go in another du- direction." Not that they're going to ever give. They're always going to do superhero movies, but you really do at this point have to space them out 
uh, a lot, like a, not a little, a lot. And, yeah. and they need to get going on that uh, psychology or uh, they're going to pay the piper and uh, it's going to be pretty painful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you, uh, do you have any other, I, f- I found since we're Friday the 13th, I found an interesting story about, sure. and we'll, we'll talk more about it in a little bit later on, but I want to make sure we get through all your movie news. And well, this I, got, day. I got, some, I, I got, yeah, I got some day this, let's start with TV. Cause uh, this is an interesting one this week in television history, October 10th, 1975, Saturday Night Live premieres on NBC. Uh, can you name five of the original cast, Mike? I could probably name the entire original cast. Okay. Was, uh, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, yeah. Jane Curtin, Gilda Radner, Garrett Morris, uh, Lorraine Newman. And Chevy Chase. Anybody. And Chevy, Chevy Chase, obviously. Yeah. Bill, yeah. I believe Bill Murray was season two. Bill Murray two. season two after Chevy left after a year. Yep. Yeah. Now, in terms of SNL 2003, obviously it had massive relevance in the 1970s. I still think it has relevance. Obviously, not what it did in the in the 70s and 80s. Certainly, 70s it had massive pop culture reference. But do do you uh, do you watch? Yeah, I think I think it's differently now. I think uh, not a lot of people watch it live at 11:30. I can tell you that more people yeah. are watching it on YouTube and replays. Wow and on peacock and on demand now so you'll well, see a lot of these skits see the thing about youtube is a lot of people in myself included you, you will just you know a, a specific skit will pop up and i'll watch that yeah and then that's i'll say oh, that was interesting now. let me see another one so yeah. I, I it's not necessarily watched in linear order from beginning to end it's more like oh that was a good skit and let me see yep. the next one yeah. and then and you know you can go down a rabbit hole too they'll keep popping up on your and that's how this show's consumed now, as opposed to yeah. got to stay up on a Saturday night with your high school buddies and, and yeah. watch this show. I remember the Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman years were the big years for me growing up, you know, because we had nothing else to do but stay up at night and watch, you know, uh, Hans and Franz and great skits like that. Um, seven, those that first original cast and you go back and rewatch those shows. Yeah, there's some historical value to it. I mean, they're not as funny as you might remember them being, um, but culturally yeah, it meant so much know, at the time know, you know what popped up on, on youtube uh, uh, which i found funny because i was i was uh youtubing a lot of the exorcist stuff with the exorcist mm. believer coming out and the the saturday night live clip uh with richard skit, Pryor, yeah richard, richard Pryor, Pryor, yeah very yeah, funny lorraine, lorraine newman was possessed it's funny like i remember very, i actually remember, i actually remember that I was that was a that was a cla- that was a classic one. That, that and really- the uh, the Chevy Chase in job interview with Richard Pryor and yeah. he's calling him uh, expletives and stuff like that, and they're going and, back and, and, and forth. I, I remember the, the Land Shark skit. Which, yeah, uh, that yep. was fun. That was fun too. Yeah, good stuff. What else you got? A TV news this day. Uh, well, this week in, in TV history, it's a good one. October tenth, nineteen sixty three, the Twilight Zone episode "Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet" airs. William Shatner, one of the best Twilight Zone episodes of all time recreated in the movie Twilight Zone, the movie in 83 with John Lithgow, who got an Oscar for best sporting actor. But uh, that was one of the memorable ones that that was a great Twilight, many great Twilight Zone episodes. But that, that was a, that was a great episode in uh, October 10th of 63 uh, Nightmare up at uh, 20,000 feet. William Shatter. Yeah. And it's really the best part of the movie. It was the John Lithgow. I mean, the four uh, the I like movie the, portions. I like, I like, I like the. Um, I did like the uh, the, um, the the kid wishing. Uh, yeah, that was and, okay too. Yeah, that was that and the uh, and the Albert Books Dan Hackroyd stuff was yeah. fun too. Yeah, one other one before we move on. This day in, now, this is really one other one, or is this this the, are there three more? And you're just saying yeah, like, one more. 
I, I'm pretty sure it's one more. But okay. in movie movie history, October, we could expand. This is a good conversation. October 9th, 1992, Under Siege opens in theaters. Uh, Steven Seagal's most critically acclaimed and successful movie at the box office. Andrew Davis, who did The Fugitive, directs. Tommy Lee Jones comes in and plays a terrific, a very entertaining villain, along with Gary Busey. Uh, Eric Erlaniak of Baywatch is the female lead. Uh, it's basically uh, Die Hard on a naval ship, but a very entertaining movie that audiences really had a good time with, Mike. Uh, thoughts on Under Siege? Yeah, the peak of uh, Steven Seagal's career. Yeah. I think his work ethic and the way he talked and handled people probably started wearing thin after this point in time in the movie industry because then you could see the rest of his career under siege two would be somewhat of a hit but most like of his it. movies most of his movies after this point um they started waning away yeah. and his ego his ego got out of control obviously it, but this yeah. was a here's the key great director yeah. great yes. co-stars good villain yeah. everything yeah. around steven seagal distracts you from the fact well, that it's really in his defense i can't defend him off screen because you know you take that story when he hosted snl yeah like it was just outrageous. His control. I'll give you another story. But on screen, he had he certainly had an aura and, and he had a connectability with the audience that paid to see his movies. That was pretty good, like really good, actually. But yeah, I read yeah. a story when he did Under Siege 2, which took place on a train. And I like that movie actually a lot. I find that movie is one of my favorite, you know, pop the Blu-ray in, kill, kill 90 minutes of my time. I, I really enjoy it. So suppose when he when he's on the set of Under Siege 2. Like he was such a control freak. He'd come in on set and he'd take the script. He would rewrite all his lines, like all every line in the script he, he would write. And he would point at actors and he'd say, I'm going to say this. You're going to say that. Like he, his, his comfort zone, like uh, in his confidence was like th through the roof. And obviously, you know, it is a breaking point with that stuff. And then obviously, you know, uh, it, it, there's a lot of different stories about him, but, uh, as just a presence in that period in the nineties, you know, I certainly was a fan of Steven Seagal. Yeah. I, I, his stick wore thin on me. I mean, the fact that he never takes a punch in any of his movies, it kind of, you know, uh, I'm not, yeah. that's not appealing to me. I get it. Um, even, even Schwarzenegger would take a, a shot every once in a while, but Seagal never took a punch in any of his movies. Go watch it. Never, yeah. never gets hit. Uh, Understood. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. But it, yeah, I did enjoy Under Siege. It, it's a, it's a well made film by competent writers, directors, and co stars. I got a birthday. Do you have birthdays or or? Can no, I go ahead. One? What do you got? What do you got? Give me a birthday. David Morse turned seventy years old uh, this week, and uh, David Morse, uh, The Green Mile, is a terrific actor. He did ten years of stage work before he got movie work. Uh, Green Mile. Um, Long Kiss, Good Night, uh, the the uh, the Crossing Guard with Jack Nicholson, which I think was his first feature. He's done so many movies. He's done over has had over a hundred acting credits as an actor. Did a TV show which I started the other day because I heard it was his birthday. I said, you know what? I used to watch Hack on Saturday night, which was sort of like an equalizer type show. We played a cab driver who helps a lot of regular people. And six foot four, David Morse had a terrific screen presence, extremely likable. Could play villains too, uh, yeah. very well. But uh, yeah. I saw, I started, I started watching some. I watched like three. I've been watching like three or four episodes on YouTube of Hack, and uh, he was always better than the show. I liked the show, but the, the, it never lived up to the potential. It ran for two for two years, but 
I certainly am a, a, am a fan of David Morse. I think uh, good actor. Uh, he was on saying elsewhere too. Uh, yeah, that's where I, I first was introduced to David Morse. Uh, uh, good, not a good actor, a great actor. He's yeah, a dad yeah. in Contact. How about The Rock? He's in that. Uh, oh, right. He's he's great in Sixteen Blocks as a villain. He's also mm-hmm. the murderous neighbor in Disturbia. Yeah, Very good really flick. Good. Uh, yeah, he's, you put he him. He's one of those guys. Up. He's one of those guys you put in a movie. Movie's better automatically. Uh, bottom line, he's in that flick with uh, Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman that we both mm-hmm. liked. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. I mean, Extreme just Measures. Right? That was Extreme Measures. I like that movie. Yes, yeah, I yeah. forgot movie. You, Extreme Measures. Gene Hackman. Hugh Grant. That's like a sort of a, at the time is a little bit of a different animal for for Hugh Grant to be yeah. doing. But no, that was a good flick. That was a good movie. Yeah, that was a good flick. I got, uh, I, got one, I got one more piece of TV news. Uh, and you give me your thoughts. I guess Jerry Seinfeld, right, it made the rounds, gave an interview, and he sort of teased uh, something coming coming up with with Seinfeld uh, that the possibility maybe that he would redo the ending of the final episode and bring back the bring back the cast. Now, is this because uh, he wants to be more relevant? And to, look, he doesn't need the money. He's I'm not no. being dumped the money. But is it because he has? he just that's burned in him for 20 something years or what do you, I don't, I don't know if you saw the season to curb your enthusiasm. They did a whole season about them redoing the final episode and a whole, um, which was actually very funny. And the whole cast is in that season of curb. Um, I think it is something that he's probably besieged every time he goes out and the, the show is still very relevant because it's on Netflix and people still watch it. I bet you the one thing he gets from most people is boy, but that last episode and, he might it might rub him, you know. Most of his career has been without flaw. Maybe this rubs him the wrong way. Maybe. I mean, you're a you you were a big fan of science. I oh, was I not. Loved, I, I, was, I, lo- no, see, I, I loved it. I was not. It, 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 of all the you know, great sitcoms, I can't say that one is one that one. I was connected to. But uh, I did want to say to you that would be one people would say to you, you missed the boat on that one. You, you, maybe. you were wrong. You were absolutely wrong about that. that but I be- will say this. I did watch a final episode and I don't think it was good. No, it wasn't. But I think most yeah. fans would say it wasn't good either. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, we I'll do a whole show on Seinfeld if you'd like, um, because it is uh, one of the best sitcoms of all time. So you missed a boat on that one. That's OK. It happens. Okay. It happens. You know. <laughs> I know you were a Green Acres fan. I didn't like that no, show. No, no, you know? no, no, no. Yeah, give me some all in the family taxi. Um, there's a lot of good ones. I did have some movie news I wanted to bring up to you. Um, mm-hmm. and, sure. and it deals with Friday the 13th. But first, I did want to tell you as well. I got a chance. I don't know if you I remember I mentioned last week about a new movie on uh, Amazon Prime called Totally Killer. It's a yes. time travel slasher mm-hmm. flick. Um, girl goes back to 1987, tries to save hers, his, her mother's friends from getting killed by a serial killer. Great concept. It's, it's mm-hmm. a back to the future, basic ripoff that has some funny lines and they really try hard here, Chuck. Um, it, it's when you do a time travel movie, um, you, you're stepping in sacred ground and, and if you don't get it right, it, it kind of just falls flat. And unfortunately, as much as this stuff does it resonate and it is funny. Some of the eighties jokes are good, especially compared to how we live now and how we live then. There's some good contrast to how the girl acts just like socially, how people talk to each other. It, it, it says a lot about what we used to get away with back in the eighties, as opposed to now that's interesting. Um, but the slasher stuff, the mur- murder mystery stuff that surrounds it, it's kind of hokey. So it kind of gets bogged down in the fact that it wants to be a slasher movie at the same time, but none of that's really scary. And the mask that's used is kind of 
It's stupid to say the least, but the, the girl leads very attractive. Julie Bowen uh-huh. plays the mom. She's good. So there's some good elements to it on an Amazon prime heading into Halloween. You want to see a new movie. That's kind of original. I would recommend this now. So what before, you're saying, what you're okay. What you're saying is because it's on Amazon prime. Yeah. That, your expect. Uh, yes. If I saw this in know. the theaters, my expectation uh-huh. level would be higher, but hmm. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't like that. See, that that's that's the stuff that bothers me. Right. If it, well, is it a movie? Is, it's not it's not a theater, but is it a movie? Yes or no? It is a movie. Yes, mm-hmm. because I'm sure okay. when it originally was put together, it was going to be in the theaters, and then um, they got their product. You know, I'm sure. Uh, you know, some of the movies we saw in the '80s, if we live today, um, mm-hmm. would not have been. You know, a movie like Dangerously Close in the '80s would have been on Amazon Prime. Things like that, Chuck. You know, like no, Under understand. Siege Two. So Might have debuted on Netflix. Might have. So okay. So a movie like, let's say, off the top of my head, Can't Buy Me Love with Patrick. Uh, no, Jackson. that would probably get a theatrical release. Yeah, but back then it wasn't, and they changed the title, they gave it, and it became a big hit. Yeah, uh, right. It's a very different. I understand. It's just a different different landscape. I, before you get to yours, I, one thing that is very important that just was announced yesterday, it was, as I told you a few weeks ago, there was a bidding war, right, for the rights to the Halloween franchise. Right. Even though Michael Myers was definitively killed off in, in was Halloween. Was he though? Was and, he? Well, he well, they was. could just he make was. a new. They could just make a new movie and say, "Ah, those last three didn't count. We're really picking it up from." The, well, here's the first what's interesting. Miramax won the bidding war, right? Which is a division. Uh, and Paramount bought Miramax like three years ago, right? So, mm-hmm. but here's the thing: the announcement was that they have garnered control 100 of the TV streaming rights. Meaning yeah, it's be a series, that, Halloween series. Hollow, you're going to do something on streaming Halloween for the Halloween universe, right? Yes. Now they they own half the theatrical, right? They could do theatrical movies too, but it appears that they're going to center or focus on the Halloween universe in the streaming world. So here's a question: the question is, and we're both fans of Halloween three, right? It has a cult following. Mm-hmm. So and and and. I, I think I think as long as you use the John Carpenter music, you will create interest in that universe, right? So, are they going to have the spine to do something creative without Michael Myers in it? I mean, eventually you're going to see Michael Myers again in some form. I but didn't I think he, for you. didn't they just do that and it fell flat? I mean, this last movie is basically a Michael Myers movie without Michael Myers, and for half the film he's not even in it. It's a different serial I think killer. Shocked, I, think, I think they shocked. I think see the problem with what. David Gordon Green. And I sort of listen, I actually am on, I liked Halloween Ends because I accepted what it was. It basically is a, a loose remake of Christine. That's what that movie is, right? And then you get the bookend, you get the bookend of, of Michael Myers in the beginning, and then he has a confrontation. Uh a really good one. I, I think that was the, last, the only part of the movie it, I enjoyed was the end. Was I, the I really like it. But you didn't like okay. You didn't yeah, so you didn't enjoy it because it threw you, or you just didn't you just didn't like it at all. I didn't like it at all because I thought the character that they focused on was uninteresting and implausible and not just totally uninteresting where you go with there, all the advertisement, everything they're telling you is going to be this big showdown. You get it, but you got to sit through all this other crap to get there. I did. I just didn't like if they would have done that would have made it interesting because I was duped. Halloween yeah. three came out. I didn't know it wasn't going to be Michael Myers. I still love the hell out of that movie. Even the first time I saw it in the theaters. I have to give my like my my honest reaction is when I, I watch and I didn't see it in the theater. I do watch it on Peacock, Halloween. Wow. Uh, and, that's and, that's and I, painful for you to admit. 
It is. Having said that, like I got into it. I actually, I actually did enjoy it. Like I, I didn't mind that they did something different. And I, and I thought that character got into that character and I realized, wow, you know what? This is a Christine homage. This is a homage. This is like a semi remake to, to Christine within inside a Halloween movie. And I was like, no, that's actually pretty cool. And I do believe, you know, cause it's also interesting. John Carpenter in an interview said that he loves Halloween kills. Like he thinks it's a super cool Halloween movie. I would tell you this. I I want to make a prediction. Well, hold your hold your. Let's talk about. Let's talk about that in a little bit because we're going to get into those films a little little bit later on. All right. Let's just hold hold your thoughts on that in a second. Um, I and since you brought up your little Michael Myers thing, I did want to bring up before we get to our Halloween uh, Friday the Thirteenth bracket here. I did want to bring up news that I did not know uh, until today, Chuck, that there was an alternate ending to Jason Lives. Uh, Friday the 13th part six, which is coming out on DVD. Apparently they were going to introduce Jason Voorhees dad, Elias Voorhees at the very end of uh, Jason lives, which you and I are, and most Friday the 13th fans are consider maybe the second best one out of them all. Um, but all that stuff was going to happen, but I don't know if you remember uh, the, uh, the keeper of the cemetery keeper gets killed early on in the film. Well, mm-hmm. the original director, uh, uh, Tom McLaughlin, they've had storyboards of the caretaker was not going to die at the very end, of the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake. You're going to the camp caretaker, the caretaker for the cemetery, um, talking with a gentleman who gives him money and says, thanks for taking care of the graves. And these guys standing next to two graves, it would be, uh, Jason and, and Mrs. Voorhees. And, and we would be introduced to Elias and maybe we wouldn't have gotten the telekinetic new blood that came out next. We would have gotten maybe. Elias Voorhees, the dad, start killing people, which might have been maybe a little more interesting and given the series a little bit more juice that it so needed at it that change? point. Why, time. why was it changed? Uh, budget. They couldn't. They had budget constraints. They couldn't get to those last scenes, and and they just had to just end wow. it with him still being alive underwater. Um, still interesting though. They could have explored that um, storyline at some point down the line, it would have been a lot better than him going to Manhattan and things of those nature. Maybe, maybe his dad lived in Manhattan or something. But, um, I I thought when I read that today, I'm like, that's interesting. I also didn't know when reading this story that there was actually an alternate ending shot Friday the 13th part three. Uh, it was filmed and unused, but the final girl, Chris actually gets decapitated by Jason and he lives. Um, and they actually filmed, I never knew that. Uh, instead, Instead, you get her back on the on the water again. Interesting tidbits about the Jason movies. But, Chuck, what I wanted to do today, since it was Friday the 13th, and since we are approaching um, Halloween, we've got 25 movies between the two of them. Now, one of them, Season of the Witch, which we brought up, Halloween 3, which we both enjoy, and it's much watch for the Halloween season, still relevant today. I didn't include these that movie on the Sweet 24, we'll call it, the horror 24, uh, because Jason, uh, uh, Michael Myers isn't in it. So what I've done here, Chuck, is I've ranked all the movies, I've given them seedings, and we're going to go one by one matchup. I'm going to let you decide who advances. We'll have a discussion about it. We'll have a discussion about both movies, and then we'll go from there. You think you can handle something like this? Yes, I can. I'm confident. Uh, All right. We're going to start right off the bat. Now, these movies, I've tried to seed in order, order of relevance and entertainment value. So we'll start mm-hmm. with the 17-16 matchup between Halloween Revenge of Michael Myers against Jason 10. Chuck, let's discuss Halloween Revenge of Michael Myers, which was the second 
batch of the second trilogy that came out um, that really was a little mind-boggling, to say the least. They really introduced the, the little girl in it, Daniel Harris. Um, had some oh, interesting you? elements oh. to it, um, but it wasn't much of a Halloween movie. And Jason 10, well, that's in outer space. So, no, okay, is this Halloween 4 or Halloween 5? It's this Halloween 5, it would be. Oh, okay. Re- okay. Return this is was easy- 4, Revenge yes. was 5. This is an easy one for me. I picked Jason X because I think it has a ton of entertainment. I actually love watching Jason X. I get a tremendous amount of entertainment value. I find Halloween five very unHalloweenish, ish uh, And it's one of the weaker entries in the overall franchise. Now four is a good different story. I like that one, but well, that's what's this, no that's what's disappointing about five is that four actually got out of the gate. So good. You're like, Oh, yeah. maybe they can grow off that and do something right. Um, as far as Jason 10, I mean, it's over the top. The special effects are awful. Yeah. Um, Kane Hodder's in it. It's which got a be- really cool David Cronenberg uh, uh, cameo, cameo yeah. in the beginning of the film. And, and I just find it, uh, it it's it's out there, but the out there, uh, it was different. They decided to do something different. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I give it to me. I, I recommend it as a Friday 13th movie. I think it's a lot of fun. All right, our next matchup is uh, a seeded number nine, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and against the worst seed in the uh, tournament, Chuck. And I went, I took liberty and put Halloween Resurrection as the worst of the twenty-four Jason or Michael films. Was did I do wrong, or I'm pretty accurate with that? That's pretty well. You t- did you counted the Rob Zombie movies? I did count the Rob Zombie movies, but I still think Resurrection's the worst. Yeah, okay, I think there's one worse than that, but I'll, I'll go with Friday 13 too. I'll 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 favor that one. We'll talk about that a little bit more in its next uh, matchup. How about seated number 21? <laughs> I mentioned it. Uh, Friday the 13th, Jason takes Manhattan. Uh, great promotional campaign, not a good yes. movie. Uh, against yeah. number 12 seed, Halloween Ends, the last of the Michael Myers movies that just came out. I'm gonna side with Halloween Ends here because it's a you know better uh, delivery of that final. F- a confrontation um, is there anything about jason takes manhattan that you'll the one thing i did like one of the best kills was the boxer on this on the yeah, roof that, where he that, punches that his head off see the, the problem with the problem with uh jason takes manhattan is it, it's such a bait and switch you know they don't get to, to manhattan to you know the when the re, the last reel is running out on a 35 millimeter print so a lot yeah. of it takes place on that small boat and it's like yeah why are you doing this to you know why you're ripping the audience off doing this i mean they shot those scenes i believe in canada or vancouver vancouver that, probably yeah, yeah was like, come on like yeah jason, but, uh, J- jason on a boat jason on a boat but you know the poster look good halloween ends not even a contest here not even all right uh 13th seed Ironically, Friday the 13th, The New Blood. I may mention of it back there about the telekinetic uh, angle there against the 20th. You know, I know, listen, Law, Laws Park Lincoln was a female lead yep. in that. Yep. I remember she was on, on Not Slanting. I always liked her. It's up against the n- number 20 seed Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, known only for the fact that Paul Rudd's first movie ever. Um, and then the Druids and all the stuff going on there. Yeah. And, and Donald Pleasance dies off screen. An awful, awful movie, Chuck. I have to go with the new blood here. There's some good elements to the new blood enough yeah. to make it better than the curse of Michael Myers. Would you but agree? Here's the thing about the curse. Of, here's the thing about the curse of Michael. The, the producer's cut, which you used to only be able to get uh, at um, conventions. They used to sell bootleg videos, but then they released it legally. Uh, and I think the producer's cut has some 
has much more merit than the theatrical cut. They recut it. I, I listen, Paul Rudd's actually in his first film. He's actually pretty good. He is. Uh, he is good. He's actually pretty good. The, the 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 sad reality of that movie is Donald Pleasance was, was like really old at it's that, on his last at that leg. He was. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he died was. during post production, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, that would be. I, I guess I'll go. I'll go with New Blood, but I do think the producer's cut is an interesting misfire that that is worth a watch if you've never seen it. All right, let's but get to Halloween Kills versus Jason Goes to Hell, the final probably most forgotten Friday. Uh, that was almost a reboot. Remember that one, Chuck, that came out in the early 2000s, right? Jason Goes to Hell, 1993, actually. No, really no brainer. It's yeah. Halloween. Halloween kills the superior. Uh, here's the problem I had with, with uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Um, it's one of those body switching. Yeah. yeah. It's yes. not Jason. It's not Jason. Jason's spirit goes into other people, and it, yep. I think that alone, I'll give you the edge to Halloween kills, although some of the stuff with the Anthony Michael Hall at the end of the Halloween kills, I I was yelling at the the uh, screen how absurd it was that they all have him surrounded and it and he ends up getting out of that. I mean, that ending to that movie. And then they kill off one of the more appealing characters that they introduced in the in the whole other tri- trilogy. I'm like, what are they doing here? Uh, absolute. It really disgusted me what they did in that film. Here, here's the thing, and I'm going to make a prediction. I think a movie like Halloween Kills in in uh, in in eight to ten years, people are going to be like, you know what, this movie moves. Uh, they're watching it for one reason to, to see some Michael Myers kills, good atmosphere, and I think that movie, I think it delivers. Look, it's not high odds. He's a thing with the Halloween franchise. I think people, when they rebooted this trilogy or sequelized or whatever you want to call it, people are looking for the highest form of art, like they're trying to recreate. What Carpenter did in the original, and it's just never going to happen. So I, I, I just want some. I just want some plausibility. That's all. Okay. Not, some enough. of the stuff the town does there. It's just it it. I, I just bother me too much. All Got right, it. we're still in the first round here. Number eleven seed. This one's going to be pretty easy for you. Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, which is a uh, a lot of people love this film with Corey mm-hmm. Feldman. Uh, mm-hmm. It was supposed to be the end of Jason against Halloween Two, Rob Zombie's version. Oh, Friday. Listen, Halloween two, I find uh I find despicable. Um it's it's just it's just a nasty ant is he so vile to women. Rob Zombie in this movie. I, I hated every frame of it. And that's that says a lot if I hate every frame of a Halloween movie. It's just <laughs> I hate it. One of the worst bait and switch movies of either series is the number 23 seed Friday the 13th, a new beginning, which followed up the final chapter against Halloween, the Gordon green version of it, the reboot down there, Chuck, I remember sitting in the theaters. I thought uh, my friends and I, I thought we were going to burn that movie theater down at the Stroud mall with the, with the reveal of who the actual killer was in Friday the 13th. I'll go with Halloween here. The reboot, which was a 10 yeah, seed. Me too. Uh, all right. And last, a uh, couple more in the first round here. Uh, last one and interesting matchup between Halloween, the Rob zombie reboot and Friday the 13th, the Michael Bay reboot. Um, let's talk about these two films. Ooh. Here's the thing. I think Rob zombies Halloween reboot does have some merit. Like there's parts of it that I like. I like, uh, mostly in the first half. I do like Malcolm McDowell is Loomis. I think he was a good choice. Uh, Michael Myers is way too big and hulking. Uh, I think the issue also is that where the movie goes wrong is he sort of has no interest in the Laurie Strode character, Rob Zombie. And that's a massive mistake 
having said that, I would give, I probably would give Rob Zombie's Halloween like a five and a half out of 10. It's worth a watch, uh, but it's not what it should be. He's certainly the wrong director for the material. Um, the Friday 13th, uh, Michael Bay produced remake. There's a lot of that movie that I like. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I do it, like it. I don't think it finishes itself. It doesn't, I, it, but it I did like the actors, fact that it has good actors. Good actors in it. Yep. Good characters. Yeah. There's actually three, three heroes in it. Kind of one's a guy, which you don't normally see. The um, jet ski, the jet ski kill is great. Great. Yep. Uh, I, I, to me, this felt more like the eighties movies that I saw growing up. The Rob zombie movies just feel, it feels too much like a Rob zombie movie. Not enough. Yes. Like a Halloween movie. This oh, one 100%. felt like a Sean S Cunningham Friday the 13th movie. That's why I'd give this one a little bit of an edge. Yeah. I, I, will, talk- I, I, I will too. I talked into it a little bit. Yes. I, well, here's the thing. I, I just think when you walked into knowing that Rob Zombie had control of this franchise, it was just like, like I couldn't get over that in itself. Like he's just the wrong guy to give him the reins of, of a Halloween friend. I don't know why right. they did it. They did yep. it. Uh, and they, and they basically mm-hmm. with the second film, they crashed and burned pretty hard. Well, because that movie moves on, the Friday the 13th reboot, it moves on to take on the Friday the 13th original film, Chuck, uh, the number two seed in the bracket. Um, what can we say that hasn't been said about uh, a little boy coming out of a lake and scaring most of the country? Listen, I remember seeing that. Uh, I went with a friend and his older brother who, who got us in in 1980. Um I was literally on pins and needles the whole movie. Like I never, because I never experienced pure slasher stuff and the you know the kill yeah. scene with kevin bacon the knife under the bed through the throat was like holy like that was pretty that was intense stuff and yeah. that movie just you know it's just it just nailed it nailed suspense because audiences really were not exposed to that type of uh you know graphic graphic violence and, and in for what it was it worked extremely well it did and it's scary as hell and you know the fact that it isn't jason it's an origin story without the actual yes. killer that would go on for the next two decades. Uh, I did, you know, as a murder mystery, it, it works. It's, it doesn't really cheat. Um, and, and the payoff is quite remarkable as well. Uh, not only Jay, there's two payoffs to that film, two scary, excellent payoffs, the killing of Mrs. Voorhees and then Jason's reemergence that oh, just great. live on oh, forever. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. So that'll advance. Um, we had Halloween, the Gordon Green reboot against Freddy versus Jason. That's a 10 seed against the seven seed. We introduced Freddy versus Jason here. Chuck, I like Freddy versus Jason a lot. I, I thought they did a really good job combining both storylines and making, you know, I say plausible, but making it at least fit into both lexicons of both series. Fans of either series will be very happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it's interesting because this film when it came out is really polarizing. But, you know, Jason Ritter was the lead. I like the cast. I thought they did a really good job. I thought the battle sequence at the end between uh, Jason Very and Fred and Ed Robin's line delivery was hysterical. I mean, he had some big, he had some big one-liner laughs. I remember sitting in the theater watching that. I don't know why that film has lost any, he's really lost relevance. I mean, most people don't regard it as anything other than, oh, that was made actually. Uh, but yeah, and I they never did another one. one. They never no, did a never, monster movie. I mean, they, I mean, they, t- they talked after that, like who, what are the two monsters can we buy? Combine? Obviously you could take Freddie and, and bring anybody in because you use the dream world and then he pops sure. out of it. So you could recreate the structure of that film. 
But I thought that had a lot of innovation, and uh, I did like that movie uh, very much. So I, I would like go it, with it. You, you like it enough to get it past Halloween, Gordon Green's version? Yeah, I will uh, for creativeness. Yes, I will. Um, number six seed Halloween H two O against the team against the, the the movie that advanced the eleven seed Friday the Thirteenth the final chapter. We can talk a little bit more about that film now with Corey Feldman getting introduced here, Chuck. A lot of fans of this film uh, from the Friday the Thirteenth fandom, but to me, and we've talked mm-hmm. about it even the last couple of weeks, Halloween H two O a formidable opponent here because it really to me wrapped up Halloween the way it should have ended. That's it, no more. We're done with uh, Nancy Loomis. Unfortunately, they weren't done, but this is a tough call because I know you're a fan of that final chapter as well. Uh, listen, I like the final chapter, but I do really like H2O. I and mean, I think I saw H2O like three times in the theater. Really good cast. It was, you know, uh, the cusp of the way they marketed Scream. They got a lot of young people into the theater. The movie got good reviews. I remember Joel Siegel of uh, Good Morning America and, and Channel 7, uh, ABC out of New York. He really liked H- H2O. A lot of critics uh, did. Why? It's sort of being dismissed many years after the fact. Uh, I don't really understand it, but yeah, I, I'll go with H two O. I think I think it's a, a very solid, uh, or more than solid entry in the overall canon of uh, the Halloween world. But kudos to Tom Savini and what they did with some of the stuff in Final Chapter too. Yeah. You see Jason without a mask on, the machete goes halfway in his head. He, I mean, mm-hmm. how they kill him in that movie was way over the top, and I give him a lot of credit for that because it, it was a good payoff. Now, yeah, to, to me. Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, which I put as a third seed, goes up against Halloween Kills. I think we'll both agree it's an easy advance for uh, Jason Lives here, Chuck. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit more as we get closer uh, to the Final Four and all that yeah, stuff. I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. Uh, Halloween 2, a four seed against Friday the 13th, The New Blood. Same thing here, Chuck. I think Halloween 2 is just too well-made and too much like a Carpenter movie to ignore and to even talk too much at length with this matchup. Uh, I would agree. How about Friday the 13th Part 3, which was released in 1983 in 3D uh, against Halloween Ends? Now, I'm a fan of really the introduction to the Jason character. Let's face it, he wore a hood in two. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, we get the hockey mask. We get a really appealing cast, too. There's a good cast of characters in this film that get knocked off, including the lead in this as well. I love Friday the 13th Part 3, maybe because I was 13 years old and it came out right around my birthday and I have a lot of great memories. But I honestly think I could watch that over and over and over again and not Halloween ends. I'm, I I, I got to make my push to make sure you say it's okay to advance Part 3. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it's close. It's close. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not in the camp of going to trash Halloween ends because I do, I do feel the film has a lot of merit. I really do not as much merit as Friday the 13th part three. How about this is an interesting matchup, Chuck, uh, Halloween four return of Michael Myers against mm-hmm. Friday the 13th part two, which had Amy Steele in the second part. And the interesting about part two of Friday the 13th, they kill off the final girl of the first film in the first 10 minutes. Very, very yeah. bold move. Yeah, it was and honestly bizarre, but yeah, they did it. And Halloween four, we both enjoyed Donald Pleasance comes back. It's really good. Uh, Michael Myers had some good kills in it. Some appealing characters. It's a scary Halloween movie. I'm going to tell you something about Halloween four. Daniel Harris. It's a really yep. good performance by a child actress. He's really good. And the movie, I think, um, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, the, the director of Halloween four, um, brings a lot of atmosphere. I think it's a good, solid Halloween movie with some good, very good, uh, 
suspense. And, you know, it was awesome to see Donald Pleasance reappear as yeah. Dr. Loomis, who you thought was offed at the end of uh, Halloween, Halloween 2. I'll, I'll go with Halloween 4 here for me. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll side with you here, although I did like the final frame of uh, Jason busting through the window instead of, and instead it's a cat. I mean, that was a good, like little chilling conclusion of that film as well. And I mean, the least we could say about Halloween against Jason 10, probably the better. So let's just ad- advanced Halloween first <laughs> to the next round. And then Halloween, Chuck, obviously the classic would then team up, uh, go up against the number eight scene, Halloween four. Um, it's no contest. We'll move Halloween on to the next round. How about Friday the 13th part three? against Halloween 2. I'm going to go with Halloween 2. So you're going to say that the uh, the continuation of the original Halloween, it's basically one whole movie. It's a Carpenter film. It's got a moody setting in the hospital. All those things work in the favor. Plus, Jamie Lee Curtis is back. All right, you could probably talk me into Halloween 2 being better than... I'm going to tell you one thing I love about Halloween 2. I love this scene... In the last act, when Michael Myers bursts through the uh, the the glass door, and then when uh, Michael Myers, you think he's dead, and the guy says, "Don't touch him," and yeah. and and Myers gets up and he cuts the guy's throat. That's yeah. that's and obviously the confrontation at the end between uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers and, and Donald Pleasance and the the explosion and the fireball. Uh, there's something unique uh, about the way Halloween Two was was filmed. It just it captures that period. In the beginning of 1980, when it was shot very, very well. And it does feel like a beautiful, more gory and graphic yes. continuation. Because listen, what the, the thing what happened with Halloween 2 is, you know, when Friday 13th came out, it, it people started, hey, you know, the we want to see some up yep. the ante to more gore, right? Slasher. So uh, when they were filming Halloween 2, Rick Rosendahl's original cut was not as graphic. Carpenter came in and his producer said, listen, we got up the ante. That's why a lot of that gore was added. That's yeah, a good film. It advances. Yeah, it is a good film. Yes. Um, here's a Friday the 13th, the original against Freddy versus Jason. That's a two versus seven. We'll go Friday the 13th here and move that on, right? Yeah, We're not going to. No, it's an interesting debate. No debate. No, yeah, but no debate. No, but this one might be an interesting debate. To me, there's no debate. They're both really good films. Jason Lives, the three seed, against yeah. number six seed Halloween H2O. Now, let's explain to people why Jason Lives is such a good movie, Chuck. Um, I think I think the reason I like it is because it has probably the best pace of all of Friday 13th movies. The sheriff character is it's actually tremendous, a, tremendous. a really awesome character. I think it exposes Jason in terms of like it, it, he's not just killing people behind the shadows like you right. see him front and center. And I think that was different. It sort of energized the franchise that gave it an energy that it didn't it didn't have before. I think it's the most accessible in terms of mainstream. Like if you picked a mainstream audience of 100 people to watch a Friday 13th movie, I would pick this one because I think it has the most accessibility of all those Friday 13th movies. It's I, entertainment value is very high and yeah. it's just it just works on a lot of a lot of different level levels that they're trying to 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 do with it with a Jason movie. It's a very good Jason movie. To me, it's an action movie, first and foremost, with some horror stuff in it. And what it also did that the other films prior to it didn't do, it reminded people Jason's a bad guy. Like, Jason's not the good guy here. And 
what and I think it accomplishes that by having three really good characters to root for, including that sheriff character that you bring up, having yeah, kids in peril with yeah, Jason great, actually, great. you know. And they didn't and, do that and, before. And they never did that before. And I think it, you know, when you watch four and five and three and even two, people started, you know how horror fans get. They start rooting for the kills, they start rooting for yeah. the bad guy. I think in yeah. this one, it got back to the roots of wait a minute here. People are in peril and people are dying. And I that's the and you said it for, you led with it. The sheriff just puts this, uh, you know, it's just incredible how a minor character that's really written well in a movie like this can actually stand out and not an actor that anybody would ever know or right. see or ever see again. Right. And it right. really works. So are we, are we saying Jason lives is better than Halloween H2O? We are, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, 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 it's a close one, but my fondness for Jason lives is so high that I'll go with Jason lives. I agree too. I agree. All right. So. The way it turns out, there's, you know, you have Halloween two against Friday the Thirteenth, and Jason lives against Halloween. So, <laughs> I mean, it's well, inevitably, we'll, we'll, it's the we'll, both we'll originals gonna, moving on. We we have to. We're gonna we're gonna take. I think Friday the Thirteenth. We're gonna take. That's 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 a no brainer. Yeah. Even though I like Halloween two a lot, the originality. The shock value, the wow, this is something different. This is a memorable horror movie that will stand the test of time. So we'll we'll check off Friday thirteenth. Um, so then we got Halloween against what? Jason lives. We have to pick Halloween. Yeah, yeah Halloween. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think people would never listen to us again if we don't have <laughs> the greatest horror movie of all time. Let, me, let, me, ask you, let me ask you a question about Halloween seventy eight. Would you argue? That it's the most influential, most watched horror movie ever. I think it's that and Psycho. I think those are the two. Um, the influence it had in the zeitgeist of how people watched movies. Oh, 100%. 100%. Nobody wanted to take a shower after Psycho. Nobody wanted to be a babysitter <laughs> after and Halloween. We, we stated that for people who are listening to us that may not know this fact, but you know the original title of Halloween was A Babysitter Murders, right? Yeah. Uh, they switch, they flipped that. Uh, they called it Halloween. Obviously, that was instrumental. Why we're talking about this and that franchise today? But I think Carpenter's score um, is just so inf infamously, you know, uh, loved, especially you know in October. That right. That but we also have to so give. Relevant. Let's also give credit to Henry uh, Manfredini as well for coming up with the. Ch -ch 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 I mean, he literally came up with it on a whim, and that resonated for two decades yeah. as well. So if it comes down to Halloween versus Friday the 13th, which we knew it would, I mean, if yeah. you're going to go and you can't even go, it's Jason versus Freddy, uh, Jason yeah. versus Michael Myers, because Jason's not even in Friday the 13th. Um, yeah. I mean, Halloween is the better movie, but it's a close, it's a closer second than many people would probably want to argue, right? I got one. I agree with you. Now, last question for you: If, if you remember the first time you ever saw Halloween in '78, mm -hmm. at the end when when Loomis shoots Myers and and he looks down, you see Michael Myers uh, on the ground, right? Yeah. And then they then the camera shoots uh, uh, to probably Jamie Lee Curtis, and then you look at look at the scene again where she looks and he's not there. At that moment, like I remember in '78, where the fan, the people who saw the movie, are like. The, the mystery of where did he go? Who is this person? Like, that's obviously it's what it's like, ultimately is ruined when you do all the sequels, right? But that moment of like, who is he? Like, what kind of evil is? It? It's just it's fascinating stuff in film lore. 
I, I think so. It is. It is. But, you know, also fascinating in film lore is having the little, like I said earlier, a little boy coming out, the music's soft and serene and jumping out. Um, probably one of the biggest scares of all time in movie history. 100%. So, it, it, you know, and personally, I always I was draw, more drawn to Jason than I was Michael Myers, but maybe because of the abundance of Jason films that came out over and over and over again while I was in my teenage years. But uh, it, it's definitely a good exercise to go through all these movies and, and get to some sort of resolution knowing that the original Halloween, without that, we wouldn't have had 24 four movies after it, Chuck. No, not, not at all. I mean, I, I, like we said, that was a staple uh, horror film that has resonated into many tentacles in that uh, in that in that genre. And, and ultimately, Michael Myers has become a massive part of, uh, of pop culture and film. All right. We did it. We've finished up the uh, the Jason versus Freddy bracket. Uh, we'll do. Uh, I keep saying Freddy. Michael Myers, that movie uh, resonated somehow in my brain. Chuck, movie moments. We'll do it all over again. Mike, a pleasure to the audience. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Moments with Chuck Curry and Mike Rags. Download and listen to an archived show or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear our new episode. Podcasts by Federated Media.